Nation, the podcast representing the best fans in college football. Now, here's Tyler and Jerry. What's going on? Welcome into another episode of Buffs Nation. Tough loss last week, but we move forward. I'm Tyler Walgie. He is Jared All to my right. Jared, how are you? Coming in hot today, Tyler. You might have to hold me back a little bit on this one. You always surprise me because when I think you're going to come in pissed, you usually come in fine. You're always even keel. And then today, you know what? Good games, you know, 65 total points scored. CU loses a tough one. And you are, you got, you came in red today. Yeah, hi, this is this has been stewing for, for going on 48 hours now. So uh, I need to release this one. Special thanks to the Wise Listing System team online at paymyfirstmonth.com. And if you're on the market for a new house, apartment, condo, well, let them take care of it for you. It can always be a stressful situation. And they will help you by doing just that, paying your first month's mortgage. The Wise Listing System team online, paymyfirstmonth.com. All right, Jared, where you want to start? Where you want to go with this? Well, you want to air. This is the area of grievances. We do this a couple times a year, usually after CU losses. And uh, <laughs> Tyler, are you familiar with the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray? Actually, uh, yeah, I am. I like Groundhog wow, Day. I've seen that's that. A, that's a first for those <laughs> know, out right? there that we don't talk movies very often here. Tyler has not seen anything. So nope. Uh, but yes, yeah, <laughs> this this game seems to remind me of that movie. That's the best analogy I can come up with. It's like every, you know, for those of you out there who are not familiar with it, Bill Murray wakes up every day and it's the same day. He gets experiences the same day, Groundhog Day, over and over again, which he hates that day. That's kind of what it feels like every time the Buffs play Arizona, at least ever since Cleo Tate has been there. It, it's like uh, Cleo Tate going into the game always looks like this average quarterback that can very easily be defended and somehow comes out of the game against the Buffs looking like a Heisman contender. I mean, year after year, the Buffs, it's the same game. It's the shootout. It's its the inability to stop him at anything that he does, whether that's on the ground or in the air. And I'll say the same thing I did last week, Tyler. He's not that freaking good. I'm saying, I, I'm not saying he's not a talented athlete. He's clearly a talented athlete. But in three games, three career games against the Buffs, Khalil Tate has put up over 1,200 yards. Not as a team. That is Khalil Tate individually has put up 1,200 yards against the Buffs in the last three years. It is unbelievable year after year. I, I feel like it's the same game. I feel like I woke up and watched the same game over and over again. It's frustrating. Well, you were right saying we'd rather see Gunner, whatever that kid's name is, Gunnel, the freshman, yes. than, than, than Tate. But here's my issue is... Of course, Khalil Tate's going to get his yards on the ground. That's what I was worried about. CU has struggled with one thing. Well, if CU has only struggled with one thing this year, right? If we, if we can boil it down to one main thing, it's speed. And Khalil Tate running the football, I thought that's where he was going to do his damage. He had four carries for 23 yards. Jared, that wasn't an issue. He didn't do anything on the ground. He threw the ball 41 times. Okay, 41 attempts. Khalil Tate completed 31 of 41 attempts. Just to put that into perspective, Steven Montez threw the ball only one more time, 42 times, completed 28 passes. So Montez, 28 of 42 for just shy of 300 yards. And then Khalil Tate, 31 of 41 
for over 400 yards. Was this game played in Boulder or was this game played in Tucson? You would never know the difference sometimes, right? I mean, it was in Boulder. This is a ridiculous Yeah, that was rhetorical. Performance. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> Thank you. I know that, right? <laughs> uh, but yes, I mean, it's it's actually, when you look at the three games that Cleo Tate's plays, his two best games have been in Boulder. Uh, two years ago, he pulled up 327 rushing yards. Mm, that altitude will get you, Jared. And yeah, so that 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 in itself, just watching Cleo Tate, let, let's put it this way. I'm glad that if there's one positive I take out of this game, Tyler, last time we got to go against uh, Khalil Tate. I think he graduates yeah. after this year, so let him move on. Uh, I, I don't fancy ever having to go up against uh, against that guy again because, dear Lord, is it just embarrassing to watch year after year with that. Well, and it wasn't just any one thing in particular. You know, CU gave up a few deep passes. CU gave up those intermediate passes, and it was consistent throughout the game. Arizona scored a touchdown in every quarter, two touchdowns in the third quarter. So we didn't see that typical either quick start that we saw last game or the second half adjustments. There was none of that to be had. It was just Arizona gaining yards Seemingly all game, but but Jared, I felt different about this game. I didn't walk away with the same venom that you did. I honestly felt for, and, and here's the thing: it's actually there's two sides to this. Okay, and I'll be the first to admit it because my feeling at halftime and after the game was that CU was probably the better team. Right? You you go into halftime, the score is twenty to fourteen CU. You felt like it could have been 27 to 10. I mean, CU, in my opinion, thoroughly outperformed Arizona. They outplayed Arizona. They didn't make the, a lot of those mistakes. I thought you shore up a couple things in the second half and CU could run away with this. Instead, CU gets outscored in the second half 21 10. It was a completely different half. For the first time this year, the Buffs get outscored in the second half and they were not the better team in the second half. So that says to me, and, and by the way, this isn't just me, Mel Tucker. Going into halftime, I was listening at, oh, I have a story for you. This has been a very rough season for me getting into CU football games. Now, this one wasn't, you know, my, my car was totaled for, for the Nebraska game going up. This was more, uh, my, my dog was at the animal hospital. Oh, jeez. I know, but but that was more an, an option like I elected to. But I'm, I'm going to, you know, my dog's everything to me, man. So she was she needed someone to be with her. She was really sick all day. I had to give her her medicine and stuff like that. But, I, I, I see Layla here. She seems to be doing Yeah, doing she is, okay. yeah. On the up and up now, the yeah. meds the meds are working. She, she's definitely, you know, back to acting normal now. Um, but I, I definitely, you know, I wasn't going to leave for seven, eight hours a day. But I knew early. I, I was, And I tried, actually. I called, you know, my family, a bunch of friends, and... Didn't get rid of the tickets. But anyway, um, it, 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 2019 has not been kind to me getting to these Buffs games, man. But uh, anyway, so I'm listening on 850 KOA, how I always do. I, I like to sync up the radio with the TV because these idiots on the Pac-12 network don't know what the hell they're oh, talking about. Joke. Ugh. So, well, and aside from that, I mean, Mark Johnson and Gary Barnett are solid, man. Mark Johnson is the best. Yeah, the yeah, for sure. All right, so at halftime, they play the, you know, the interview, obviously, Mel Tucker. And Mel Tucker's message at halftime is... Look, our offense shooting ourselves in the foot. You take away those couple penalties, we're fine. I wonder if that sentiment got carried into the locker room and we didn't see those halftime adjustments because complacency set in. Hey, well, we're fine in the first half. We should have killed them. Therefore, we didn't see a lot of adjustments. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, you know what? I think you might be on to something there. I, I also think as much as Mel Tucker is... is being very adamant and not pulling the injury car, not making excuses there. I, I, I think that war on the defense. I think that war on the the starters that w- were out there, I think them having to make up for guys. I mean, 
when you got your former backup quarterback who switched positions a little over five weeks ago playing significant snaps on the defense, that's yeah. a problem. And He's I, talking and, about and, Sam Neuer, yeah, by the way. Sam Neuer, and and you know, and there was just so many times guys out of position, guys not knowing where they need to be. So I, I do think the injuries did really factor in defensively. But but to your to your point with the penalties, that is probably one of the most frustrating parts of this game, and it didn't stop in the first half. That message clearly did not get through to these guys. Most of those off- most of those penalties were actually on the offensive side of the ball, holding calls, false starts, uh, you know, whatever that might be, and they were drive killers. Uh, they, two or three particularly really, really influenced this team and their ability to score, I think, was the difference in the game in the second half. A couple of those drives ending up with penalties holding them back. Throughout the first quarter, I believe they had four penalties. Let me see here. Uh, yeah, four penalties in the first quarter. I don't have the exact yardage. I think it was around 50 yards or so. But, Jared, I mean, that was the first quarter of the game, and penalties already killing them. Yeah, and ended the game with eight penalties for 85 yards and one of the most critical penalties coming on the very last drive of the game, taking it from a what would have been a second and two to taking it to a second and seven. Ultimately, they ended up coming up short and, and failing to convert on fourth down of that drive. You mentioned the injuries, too. I don't think that should be ignored uh, well, who's the safety that got pulled during the game? Mikhail Onu. Mikhail Onu, thank you. In and out of every game, it right. seems like he's getting hurt. Um, but, it, but it was the non-contact thing. I mean, he's running back. It, he's he's pulling his hip. You know, like he pulled something on that long vertical throw. You don't know what happens if you know on that play that ends up being a touchdown. By the long way, long touchdown play. If, yeah. If, if if he's not feeling it, but Sam Neuer doesn't dip. look. A lot of the time, too, Sam Neuer wasn't making mistakes. A lot of the time. What these experienced safeties do is, you know, let's say you're in a zone defense and you get one receiver coming across your zone and then another one who comes across, you know, a few seconds later, a few yards earlier. Great safeties try and play both guys, right? You play one, try and peel off and play the other. Sam Neuer's just not there yet. So what would happen is they would pick on him with these certain plays where he had to choose someone and it became very easy for Khalil Tate. Okay, whoever Sam Neuer doesn't choose, I'm going to throw it there. So really, Jared, I know we're sitting here saying Khalil Tate had this great game. They simplified the game plan for Tate, made it really easy for him, and CU didn't make any adjustments defensively to respond to that. Yeah, in addition to some of the the errors that you saw from the players, the mental mistakes, I think this is the first game that I truly felt like the CU coaching staff was outcoached. Yeah, I, think, I, I, I think Arizona came in with a good game plan, understanding the that the CU secondary was thin, and then when they saw a couple guys goes down they attacked and they made sure to find those guys who are not regular starters and and just like you said they put those guys in a position where they had to make a big play and that's a lot to ask for a guy that has not played very much time at safety Uh, it was just frustrating like i said you know see you seemed to be the better team i mean i really believe that it's so frustrating because you look at the rest of the schedule i mean and that was a game that cu seemingly needed to to win and we'll do that later on the show kind of go through the schedule but there's not too many games they get harder and harder from here aside from the ucla game i don't know what game you go that's going to be a win i mean you got stanford was one was looking like a, a nice game down yeah. the stretch they go up and put a big win up against washington i mean there there really are no gimme games left on the schedule so for for a, t- a cu team that has aspirations to be in a bowl it gets tougher and tougher each one of these games that you give away that's what they did in this game they lost it more than arizona went out and won it well and let me say i have a couple more na- notes here on the game and you're right jared they they're they lost it more than Arizona won and I agree with that and Arizona kept doing the same thing so again it was just the lack of adjustments on the defensive side that I think really k- 
killed CU this game, the offense really was fine. You know, I think that Montez, we mentioned his, you know, maybe a little bit behind where he typically is. I think the offense was fine this game. I don't think that was the issue. Fine is a good word. Great. They were not no, great. No, this no. Did I say fine. great earlier? No, okay, no, no, okay. no, no. I think fine I can agree with, but th- there was a lot of missed opportunities with this offense too. Their two longest drives of the game, uh, first drive of the uh, of the game, 13 plays, almost six minutes off the clock. Uh, end of the third quarter, into fourth quarter, they had a 14-play drive over seven minutes. Both ended with field goals. Yeah. Those are the types of drives that are the difference in a game. I think it, particularly that game that went from the third spanning into the fourth quarter, if they go put up a touchdown, that would have given them a six-point lead at that time. They never regained the lead after giving. So they, they, they got a field goal, gave up another touchdown, and then never regained the lead after that. So that was a huge turning point for the Buffs. So this offense played well. They did not make the plays like we've seen from the Buffs early in the season. They didn't make those key plays at key times at the end of the game. But I mean, who do you who do you put that on? What do you what do you think about that? Uh, a lot of it is is going to the penalties uh, because in again and, and both of those drives in the first drive of the game as well as that other long drive they had penalties that really held them back so that's a big factor in it but but also too it's 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 making that one pass it's making that one catch there were plays to be had and they just weren't made. Can I get positive here, Jared? Can I? Say you get anything? like a short window here where I'll allow you to be positive. All right, looking over my notes, definitely some positives. Alex Alex Fontenot clearly has worked on his hands in the offseason. I know that last year catching was an issue for this guy. Fontenot really impressing me this season, really in all aspects. But the one main thing I think he's doing very well catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, on defense, I mean, Delrick Abrams is improving at a very good pace. Week by week, he's getting better. On the outsides, I feel more comfortable kind of in that. Remember Isaiah Oliver or who's b- b- before Isaiah? Chidobe Awuzie. Uh, yeah, Awuzie. Remember how confident you felt when they would match up against the other team's best receiver? I'm starting to get there with Delrick Abrams. He, he, he has speed. He can go vertical. He knows how to play the short routes. I like what he's doing. By the way, did we drop the junior? I thought last year was always Delrick Abrams Jr., Abrams Jr., and now you just hear Abrams. On you the, know, that is interesting. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> Real quick side note. I want to throw this out yes. there to you just because yes. I want to give some positives to <laughs> hey, you. You know I'm a big NFL draft guy. I love yeah. watching these guys transition. I just want to s- s- spread some love for that CU draft class, uh, the, the 2016 season going into 17. They had three defensive backs drafted, Chidobe Awuzie, Akella Weatherspoon, and Tedrick Thompson. All three are doing great. They've all been three-year starters in the NFL. Good for those guys. Glad to see them having success and hope they have continued success moving forward. You know who I think is playing really well on defense that doesn't get enough talk on this show, on other shows, is is Rakestraw. I mean, dude, Darian Rakestraw is good. He's fast. He's physical. That's my favorite thing is when he gets there, he gets there. <laughs> he's know? not a real big guy, so to right, see him right. lay in the wood like that, that's awesome to see. See you, though. All right, so that's the positive notes. A couple other things here before we move on to next week. CU's getting killed in the RPO. I mean, it's it's these decisions that, that Arizona put on Khalil Tate that became easier and easier. What you want to do as a defense is make decision-making harder, obviously, for a quarterback. It's nothing new, but that didn't happen this game. And I understand some of it is because of injuries, the Sam Neuer aspect, but some of it is just simple RPOs. And for how often CU runs RPOs, you don't want to see them get burned as regularly as they did against Arizona. So RPOs are, are, are certainly hurting this team. Um, Jared, that, that's pretty much it. I got some. 
You got anything else for last week? You know, just just something that it, it, it concerns me coming out of this game. Uh, obviously, coming off of your your last loss against Air Force, you had a week. You got a chance to go back, evaluate, see what was going on. There's no time to hit back to the drawing board with the Buffs. They come back they Friday after night. this. They play Friday night, so a short week. You go on the road to Oregon. Then from there, you go on the road to Washington State. Two of the better teams, at least looking like the better teams. It's kind of hard to evaluate who's the better teams in the Pac-12 these days, but two teams that look very strong and and present challenges in the passing game, something that the Buffs have struggled with over the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, that is something they've struggled with, and you come up against these other teams that see who's going to, the secondary will be kind of that main thing that, that's put under the mic the, or uh, the magnifying glass. Yeah, you you can, you can absolutely bet that Oregon is watching this tape and they're finding ways to attack CU secondary. All right, Jared. Let's get on to uh, the uh, Oregon preview after uh, this. We, the the soundboard today. We got no sound. We're we're operating like it's nineteen seventy five over going here. Going old school. So we're just going old school, folks. Let's let's it's sneak. Tyler, over. you're pretty good at sound effects. And all right, whoop whoop. Now let's uh, <laughs> let, let's uh, get a quick sponsor right here. Uh, if you own a business, know anyone who owns a business, you've got to consider Woos Media. We are a Woos Media podcast. They have a podcast division, but they also have a digital marketing division. Check them out online. Woos media.com that's w-o-o-z-e media.com they are really state-of-the-art digital marketing so if you want to show up across the internet if you want to show up on facebook instagram whatever it is they're your go-to they'll make sure you're spending your money in the correct way and most importantly getting in front of real customers who are going to spend real money with your business online w-o-o-z-e media.com that's woos media.com all right, Jared Buffs going on to Oregon next week. The Oregon Ducks. What are they ranked? Thirteenth now in the nation. Uh, coming in last week, they were thirteenth. I don't believe the rankings have come out for this week, but I, I'm, I'm going to imagine they they got a, a win against the Cal team that I know they were losing their starting quarterback. But that's a good win for them. So no, I, I imagine kidding. they're going to continue to climb up those rankings. Okay. So here's the thing: Oregon is a team that we always associate offense with, right? Oregon. Um, this year, having a pretty good offense, but we're we're not going to start on that side of the ball, Jared. We're starting with the Oregon defense. That's the way my my, my notes read. Not your Chip Kelly Ducks. Exactly. This is not the same team that Chip Kelly coached. This is a defense first team that we're seeing right now. You know how much I like the ESPN FPI. I think this is a good algorithm. It takes into account who you've played, the, the margin of victory, my you know details in the game. They they get exemplified like. Did you have 28 points on four kick returns, or did you have 28 points on four long drives that you sustained? Who, you know, what are the other caliber of teams you're playing? How much are you beating them by? It takes a lot into account, other than final score, box scores, how many points you've given up. I think we can all agree, holding Alabama to 250 yards rushing is much different than, or excuse me, holding Alabama to 100 yards rushing is much different than holding, you know. Little Rock, Arkansas to 100 yards rushing. It's looked at differently according to the computer. So that's what I like about the FPI. What this does is boil down how efficient teams are offensively and defensively. Offensively, Jared, CU's a top 25 efficient offense. Oregon's right there around 30. CU, based on this ranking, has a better offense than Oregon. Oregon, though, based on these rankings, FPI and, and defensive efficiency, is the number 10 defense in the nation. Right there behind Auburn, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson, Wisconsin. 
This is a good defense, and they're led by their defense, actually. And I don't have those rankings right in front of me, but I would be willing to guess that puts him at number one in the Pac-12. Would that be correct? (laughs) Yeah, not only does it put him one in the Pac-12, the next Pac-12 team is Cal at number 22. So CU has two teams in the top, or CU, the Pac-12 has two two teams in the top 25 in defensive efficiency, Cal and Oregon. And Oregon has allowed double-digit points only once this year. That was their opening game against Auburn when they were up 21-6. So, folks, this will be likely... What do you think about this statement, Jared? True or false? This will be the best defense CU faces all season. True. No doubt in my mind. That's what I think, too. And so... Coming off these last few weeks, it's going to be tough to move the ball on Oregon. Uh, A a couple notes here. I mean, Oregon did just lose. Let me pull it up here. Um, Gus uh, Gus Cumberland. He had five tackles on the year, four more sacks. So kind of a sack specialist. Uh, He was a big part of of their team. So he's really the only major injury on defense. They're bringing back or bringing back. They've got a lot of guys who can make plays, Jared. As a team, I want to say in the 15-16 sack range, they know how to get after the quarterback. And honestly, look how uncomfortable Montez looked last weekend. And one one of the positives that we were talking about Arizona, they didn't get after the quarterback at all. One of the worst teams in the entire country at getting to the quarterback, and they made Montez uncomfortable. In the Autzen Zoo, which is what a lot of people call uh, Autzen Stadium where Oregon plays, at Autzen Stadium in front of that fan base, Friday night lights, which, I mean, I didn't go back and get the exact numbers, but CU's not been great in these Friday primetime games. Jared, Montez is going to have to play a level or two above what we've seen this year if CU's going to win this game. And we really have not, you know, seen that kind of performance in these big games from Montez. We've seen some big performances, some big drives to end games, but to see a start-to-finish performance from Montez now... We've seen a progression over the last few weeks. He seems to get be getting more comfortable. This offense as a whole seems to be getting more comfortable. So I look at the CU offense, and they, I do see opportunities for them to make plays, but it is certainly going to be one of those things. You have to take advantage of these opportunities. You cannot have the mistakes that you saw from this offense last week. Penalties, misplays, holding them back. You need to capitalize on every opportunity you get. Yeah, looking here at, uh, if you take Gus Chamberlain out of the mix, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 players on this Oregon defense who have a sack. Seven of those have multiple sacks. And one player I want to specifically point (laughs) out is, uh, and I apologize if I botch this name because it's another one of those funky ones, but Kayvon Thibodeau. True freshman, the number it didn't one recruit. It looks. I have you seen you. the name? No. It, it does not look like Thibodeau, <laughs> but I believe that is how it's pronounced. There's a there's an E A U X in there, you know, Ugh. something like that. So uh, he's a true freshman. He was the number one recruit at his position coming out of high school. Two and a half sacks already on the year. So a true freshman coming in with that kind of impact. That's a guy you got to watch out for. So what does CU need to do to combat this Oregon defense? I mean, it seems like they are strong everywhere right now. Their defensive line, we talked about how much they're pressuring the quarterback. These linebackers all over the place. And the secondary, I mean, picking the ball off, disrupting these really good offenses they played. Look what they did against Oregon, or, or excuse me, Auburn. Auburn looks like a good offense that can move the football. And they look good against them. So I think I'm going to take a, a note or a page out of your standard oh, notes boy. for the week. <laughs> 
Buffs need to open it up. I yeah. need to see some explosive plays. I want to see some trickery. They, they did dive into that a little bit against Arizona with the reverse pass from KD Nixon. I need to see more of that. I need to see the Buffs try to take advantage of opportunities to jump out and get a lead on this team. You do not want this defense playing with a lead. So offensively, I think they need to do everything they can to be explosive early on and put up points in the first quarter. So open the ball, open the, the, the game up, spread it out, get the ball in your playmakers' hands. I want to see the I, I want to see, you know, Dimitri Stanley get involved in the passing game early. I want to see um uh, Fontenot catching the ball out of the backfield early. I think the way that you attack Oregon is not to be conventional. A lot of screen passes. A lot Look, what did we see Arizona do last week against the Buffs? Take away what the Buffs do best, right? I mean, it seemed like every other play, Arizona was just snapping the ball and running right to the sideline. You just, just, just get to the edge and then make something happen because they found something that didn't work with CU. CU now, now needs to do that with Oregon and with a team that seemingly doesn't have any one kind of hole in that defense, I think the way to get about that is to confuse them. Screenplays, trickery, jet sweeps, you pull anything out you can against this defense and try and get them on their heels. What you can't want... If you're going for CU this game, what you don't want to see is a conventional run between the tackles on first down. You know, you just don't want conventional here. You want to see a lot of screenplays and a lot of getting the ball to the outsides. Try and actually use your team speed against Oregon's. I think that could be one of the main areas where CU has an advantage. Have you had an update on uh, on our dude, uh, uh, LaVisca Chenault? I, I'm seeing no updates as of right now for injuries. Uh, it still looks like uh, Mustafa Johnson... Um, Mikhail Onu, LaVisca Chenault, all guys listed as questionable. Now, Mikhail Onu did come back in and play last week. I have a feeling he probably sits out. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I have seen or heard no indication that Mustafa Johnson will be ready for this game, that LaVisca Chenault will be ready for this game. Jared, when Mustafa Johnson got hurt last week, I mean, th- I think the feeling was he's going to be out multiple weeks. I, I feel like everyone's rushing with Mustafa Johnson. He's elite. Let, let, let's not... not you know, go about it any other way. He's very good. One of the most important pieces of that defense right there at nose tackle. So that's going to be a big loss these next couple of weeks. I would not expect to see Johnson in there. I would not expect to see LaVisca Chenault in there either. I did get my first kind of real update on all this. This was from 247sports.com. They classified it as a core muscle injury, which is by far the most detail I've gotten in the last couple weeks about that. And uh, this is very much inferring, reading between the lines here, uh, using a situation from last year uh, for those of you who follow the rest of college football, follow NFL Draft, Nick Bosa was a big name last year. He was one of the top prospects coming out, uh, an edge rusher out of Ohio State. He had what was classified as a core injury Early last year, ended up sitting out the entirety of the season. I believe he played the first two or three games. Ended up sitting out the rest of the season. Now, there was a large belief that he could have come back. He opted to sit out because he would have needed to rehab it in order to be ready for the NFL draft. And what that ultimately came out, that that was a sports hernia injury. So, again, a lot of reading the tea leaves there, a lot of making assumptions. I'm connecting a lot of dots there that I don't know actually exist. But that's something that concerns me for whether or not LaVisca Chenault will be back on the field this year for don't the put, Don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't, don't I call stop. it like it is. God, man, I hope that's not the case. Um, 
Jaron Mangum. What do you think of Jaron Mangum? Uh, we we mentioned Fontenot catching the ball better better out of the backfield. I mean, <laughs> he's done well this year, man. He's he's impressing me. Uh, true freshman running back, though, right behind him. Jaron Mangum, obviously going to get a lot of carries this week, going to be a key piece. What do you think? Can we re- rely on him if CU opts to go with this pass heavy into the backfield? Can we can we rely on Mangum for that? I think this coaching staff has already proven to us that they are willing to rely on Jaron Mangum in this offense. I, I see him out there a lot on third down. I see him out there a lot on key situations. He got two or three fourth down carry so far this year so this is a guy they certainly have faith in they have no reservation putting him out there and he does seem to be getting better and better each week um, when you when you look at his his production from last week well I lied about that you go look at his production from last week <laughs> was low only 3.4 yeah. yards per carry there but they continue to put him out there in those situations I, I think they like his IQ his smarts as a football player and they certainly have the faith in him so whether or not he's the guy you want you know taking the bulk of the carries, getting you all that production. He's certainly a guy I have faith in putting him out there in a key situation to make a play. And if the buffs do want to air it out, obviously Chenault, we're not counting on him coming back for the next couple weeks, I think we should say. Just just kind of get that in your heads. He's not going to be back. Tony Brown, Katie Nixon, Dimitri Stanley, Brady Russell at tight end, who's got 10 catches on the year. I still think, and I don't want to be Homer here, I still think he takes Chenault out of there. We've got one of the top three receiving cores in the Pac-12. No doubt about it. Right? Tony Brown has proven himself to be a legitimate superstar. I think he's rising up people's draft boards. He's absolutely a guy that'll be looked at as as he turns to the next level. But it's crazy to say this, and I think I think looking back at the beginning of the season, nobody would have believed you if you said Lavisca Chenault goes down along with a few other injuries, and he is. In my opinion, Tyler, by far the least impactful injury of any of the starters right now for the bus because of what they lack in depth on the defensive side of the ball. I think Mustafa Johnson not being on the field this week will be huge for the Buffs. You look at what Oregon likes to do. they got a big physical offensive line. They want to run the ball. They want to do some RPO stuff. And, and looking at Justin Herbert, the quarterback for Oregon. Well, we'll get there. We'll get he, there. Is somebody that you want to get in his face. So I think not having your best pass rusher and Mustafa Johnson on the field will have a major impact for this team. All right, so let's get to that side of the ball. Uh, just to wrap up things on the defensive side here, to attack Oregon's defense is going to be tough, folks. Again, they've allowed, let's see, they allowed 21 points. Oregon's defense allowed 21 points the first week of the season against, excuse me, 27 points the first week of the season against Auburn. After that game, they allowed six to Nevada, three to Montana, six to Stanford, and seven to Cal. Okay? That's under, well under a touchdown a game. Their last four games, they're giving up. So we know Oregon to be an offensive team. The hardest thing this game is going to be putting the football in the end zone. So if CU puts points up, I like them in this game, but let's get to the other side of the football, and that's Oregon's offense. Now, Jared already mentioned that in order to attack Oregon's offense, you need to get in the face of Justin Herbert. Jared, Justin Herbert having a really great year this year. You're the NFL draft expert. You let me know where you see him going because last year, the main pullback, the main question uh, the, the main question with Justin Herbert, his accuracy. He was completing 59.5% of his passes last year. This season, almost 72%. So he's fixed that. And a lot of 
people really expected Herbert to come out last year. It was not the strongest quarterback class, so a lot of people thought he would come out just by default because he would probably be the top guy, but he decided to come back, and I think the main reason he did opt to come back this year is he struggled through injuries last year, and I think that really impacted him. He dealt with some ankle injuries and stuff, and, and as a guy that is an athletic quarterback, that's in your head at all times. So I think that really impacted his numbers last year because he is putting up some stellar numbers this year. I think he is definitely solidifying himself as a first-round pick, if not a top-10 guy. Wow. Uh, right now, completing just under 72% of his passes has 15 touchdowns to just one interception on the year. So Justin Herbert is looking stellar. If there's one knock that people have on Herbert as a quarterback prospect and as a talent is he seems to and I know this is this is again a very inferred thing but <laughs> he seems to crumble under pressure a little bit these big moments seem to get the better of him and and at times when you when he faces attacking defenses that are in his face he hits the panic button and that's when you can get the better of Justin Herbert he likes throwing the football to mainly two receivers uh Johnny Johnson the third why? And why would you go with Johnny Johnson? <laughs> the third. This is the third one we named that. And Jalen Red of the two receivers. But actually, if you look at uh, who the most efficient receiver or I guess receiving player on the team is, it's their tight end, Jacob Breland. So we know we spent some time talking about Delroy Abrams, this CU secondary, although they're banged up, they've showed some ability to cover on the outsides. I think that will play itself out with Johnny Johnson, the third Jalen Red. I don't think that's going to be the main issue for the Buffs. The question is, how does CU cover this tight end, Jacob Breland? Do you think that that, that we, we can do it? I mean, the Buff back, the star back, whatever you want to call it this year, whoever the Buffs choose to put on him, what do you think? How do you think this plays out? I think Davion Taylor does match up well, and I think he's had a solid season for the Buffs in a little bit more of a coverage role than he was being used before. And 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 Davion Taylor is who they're lining up as a starter in that star back position, the buff back position. So I think as long as he is 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 guarding Breland, I think that's a good matchup for the Buffs. Here's the problem though: you typically lean on safeties, linebackers to cover tight ends, and with the Buffs being so thin. You're, you're really putting a lot on Davion Taylor's plate to say, hey, this is your guy. You can't let him beat you. For a guy that's only played a couple years of football, that's a lot to ask. Well, that's why it's going to have to be more of a man-to-man. -man. I mean, we've seen CU run a lot of zone defense this year, but if you're going to be at Oregon, you're going to have to throw that zone out the window because, A, the injuries won't allow you to do so. We saw so last week, guys like Sam Neuer, although they didn't make real X's and O's mistakes, they, they can't handle that sort of stuff. I think the way you approach this is you go man-to-man, you put uh, you, you put Davion Taylor on Breland. You mark uh, uh, Delrick Abrams on you know Johnny Johnson, and then you keep Jalen Red. You know whoever is going to float around with Jalen Red, you do so. I think that man to man is the only way you approach this until it doesn't work. Then the adjustments come along. You don't have to pick one and go with it all game. But I think you come out physical at the line of scrimmage. You don't let Jacob Breland get off the line of scrimmage, and you make it tough for these guys to, th to throw the football. We should try and force Oregon to run the ball. That should be the main objective is to make Oregon run the football. Here's what concerns me about the idea of going man-to-man. -man. That puts your backup safeties 
in those positions. You're putting those guys on an island. And so I think the only way you can get away with that and not get completely burned because Justin Herbert can make that throw over the top on you, no problem. The only way the Buffs can do that is to go exactly what we talked about for the offense, confuse this team. I think on both sides of the ball. Yeah. For this defense, I want to see some different blitz packages, some stunts. I want this offensive line confused. I want Justin Herbert confused. I want him to think he's getting one coverage and it's really another. So he doesn't have that quick split second realizing he has a mismatch. When he thinks he sees that mismatch, nope, somebody else is covering him and he's throwing into coverage. So that's how I think you get to this Oregon offense. I'll be honest, Tyler. I have more concerns about CU's defense's ability to slow down and stop this offense than I do with CU's offense's ability to put up points. I think we've seen from the CU offense, even against solid defenses, good defenses, they can still be productive. I think they're really getting in a groove. This defense has really done nothing for me all season to prove that they can stop a well-rounded, potent offense. I know their numbers aren't huge, but this is a team that can beat you in a lot of different ways, and so it concerns me because the weak points of CU's team I think really feed into the strengths of what the Oregon's offense is. I think that that 77-point game against Nevada kind of tainted Oregon's offensive numbers. Look, Oregon has played Nevada and Montana, two very low-caliber teams, and put up 110 points against those two, over 110 points in those two alone. You look at when they played Auburn, I know very good defense, scored 21. Stanford, down year, scored 21 last Last week, Cal scored 17. So I would say right now, Cal's defense is a little bit ahead of where CU's defense is. But still, Jared, it's not like you expect Oregon to put up all these points. I guess I'd say it this way. If CU gets to 30 points, they should win this football game. If they scored as many as they did last week, we should expect them to win this game. I don't know that I can disagree with you on that statement, but let's maybe say the first to 30 might win this game, but it's one of those where I do think it's really, really going to come down to what this CU defense can do. Can they disrupt Justin Herbert? If Justin Herbert has a a great-looking stat line, Buffs buffs don't have a chance in this game. Well, and and that implies that the running game is maybe sputtering as well. And that's back to my point. I think we should force Oregon to run the football. Well, how do you do that? You make Herbert uncomfortable, maybe force an interception or two, and make that offensive play caller start saying, let's keep the ball on the ground. So when they do, hopefully, choose to do so, C.J. Verdell is their main running back. He's gotten the ball... Uh, you know, about 20 times more than the next guy on the roster. So he's definitely their number one, averaging about four and a half yards of carry. And then Travis Dye. So those two guys are going to get the majority of the carries. How do you think they both stack up against C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye? Uh, you know, they kind of fit the mold of your, your standard Oregon running back, that, that you know, pretty pretty bulked up, beefy guys. They, they run hard. They're good between the tackles. They, they can't hit the edge. But there's really nothing special or flashy about either of those guys. They're, they're both averaged about five yards of carry or less. Um, so really just... Justin Herbert is where this offense goes through. So it, it, to your point, if, if C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye are doing a lot of running the ball, well, hopefully that's a good thing for the Buffs. If this does become a close game, look, advantage CU with the kicking game. James Stefano is 9 for 9 this year in field goals, and the Oregon uh, kicker, Camden Lewis, is 1 of 4 this year in field goals. So small sample size, maybe. But I'll take James Stefano every day of the week in Boulder or out of Boulder. I'm no math major, but that's not very good. <laughs> that's about 25% there, Jared. <laughs> All right, so predictions for this weekend. Can see you go on the road and get the victory. What do you think? 
Look, Tyler, everybody, yourself, bum, everybody bum, here bum, 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 knows that we are the biggest bum, fans bum, there are. Yeah. But I'm also not here to blow smoke. I, I got to give it to you honestly like I see it. And, and honestly, I think this is a tough matchup for the Buffs. And I, and I think it's a, a rough game to come to coming right off of that loss to Arizona. Oregon's playing really good. I think you take away that second half collapse against Oregon, and this is likely a top five, top seven team yeah. in, in Oregon. So I really think that this is going to be a, a, a situation where CU does bounce back. I think they play a good, strong game. I think they make this competitive. But I think Justin Herbert is the difference in this game. I think he does enough for Oregon to edge out a win. I have the Buffs losing in this one 27-24. to 24 in this game. Yeah, it's pretty close though. It's I think honestly Tyler it, it, and, it, and again this this is probably going to sound crazy from for some of the the fans the listeners out there that that hear us week after week uh, talking up the bus but I I think I would be pretty happy with the game where the Buffs came away losing 27-24 maybe it's the last second field goal. To me, this is a, an opportunity to prove that you aren't going to do what we've seen from the Buffs in, in years past, where they get that that one kind of big crushing loss. You know, a couple years ago, it was that Arizona game. Uh, last year, I believe it was Oregon State. And then they just fell apart. They had nothing left of us. So I want to see a team that bounces back. I want to see that you can compete with what I would consider right now the best team in the Pac-12 you can hang with that team. You should feel pretty good about where you're at as a team. I completely agree with that. Right now, Oregon is head and shoulders above everyone else in the Pac-12. This is a huge litmus test game for the Buffs. I think that they can, Jared, go on the road and get this win. I'm not going to pick it, but I, I think, think they can. Yeah, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, I think they can, man. And I, I think this is going to be a much closer game. Did you get a spread for me, by the way? Let's take a look. Hold it that was, up. Uh, I think this is going to be a much closer game than a lot of people think. Look. Oh. <laughs> can I guess? Yeah. 24. Uh, not as bad. 21? 20 and a half. 20 and a half is the spread. Yeah. Let's wait for it to get to 21 take the buffs. Heck yeah. Maybe 21 and a half. We get lucky there. Let's say I don't think it moves the other direction. No, I don't think so either. And that's what I was actually just getting at is if you look at the buffs this season, they've played, this will be the third ranked team CU's played. CU has played up to this point in the year, one of the most difficult schedules in the country, folks, that can't be ignored. And let's also look at this. The two teams they've beaten so far, or two of those, uh, every ranked team they've played so far, they've beaten. How about putting it that way? Nebraska was number 23, Arizona State number 24. Is this Oregon team different in a different category? You bet. But still, it's a challenge for CU who's proven they can go on the road and get a win. I think they surprise a lot of people. I'll take them to absolutely cover that 20 and a half, 21 point spread, whatever that is. And, and, and CU surprises some people this weekend. Injured on defense, they don't let Oregon score, and they keep this thing close. Pac-12, Friday night after dark, CU's got a chance to win, man. I'm not going to pick them to win it, but if they do what, what we said, if they get creative on offense, do I have to make a pick here? I feel like I'm, I'm taking to. the easy you way have out. To. You have to. <laughs> uh, dang it. Um, all right, so if CU does what we said, if, if they get creative on offense, put in some screen passes, some jet sweeps, keep Oregon on their heels, and they do the same thing defensively. Show exotic blitzes, show exotic formations, try and get in Herbert's head. You happen to get a few picks. You happen to get a few interceptions. You can keep this thing close. How about I give two picks, Jared? One where CU pulls it off and one where they don't. And then you can just go back and edit exactly. the show and exactly. just pick in whichever <laughs> one you want. Look, I, I would take Oregon to win this game. I'll take it close. You know, 31-23. Uh, something like that. Um, and, and that's just, you know, if I had to put my money down 
you know, on, on what I think the score would be, that's probably it. But if CU finds a way to create a turnover or two, attacks this team on the outside, you know, gets the ball in Dimitri Stanley's hands, Alex Fontenot's hands, with those screen pass opportunities, jet sweeps, tunnel screens, so on and so forth, you can get at this team, and that's how CU wins. And it. if there's I'm just anything, like doing my best roundabout way, just to if there's anything yeah. that we've Let's learned about the Pac-12 this year, it's as soon as you think you've identified the best team in the Pac-12, they go out and lose the next right? week. So hey. Oregon, the best team in the Pac-12. Buffs, go out and continue that trend. Get this win against the Ducks this week. Yeah, let's play a quick game before we get out of here today, and we'll do just that, Jared. We'll go for every, all six Pac-12 South teams. Are you in or out for this team competing for the South this year? The competing for the South yeah. or competing for the Pac-12 The South. Pac-12 championship's a little different. Gotcha. Let's do the South. Now it's time to play in or out. So, Jared, pretty easy. Are you in or are you out on the following teams? University of Arizona. You know how badly I want to say out right now, <laughs> but I just can't. I can't. After after a team clearly showed they can they can they can show up on the road, win a big game. You have to consider Arizona in right now in the Pac-12 side. I would agree with that. They proved they could win last week. They're four and one overall. USC, the University of Spoiled Children. Who are you going? In or out? What did they do last week? Uh, they... Were they on a bye last week? Uh, yes, bye last week. They play Notre Dame next week. Yeah, their last game was against uh, Washington. They lost 28-14. I'm going to go out on USC, not because I don't think they have the talent to be in, but they play some tough games still down the stretch. I think they knocked themselves out probably this week in this loss that they're going to have against Notre Dame. I got to go in with USC. They're too talented. They, you never count them out, and hey... They get Todd Helton out of there. They bring somebody in midseason. Who knows what happens? Clay Helton. Er, <laughs> Thank Todd. you. Although, although if Todd was going to start Helton. coaching, you know, you know, he did play some football at Tennessee. He backed up uh, Peyton Manning. Old Todd Helton did. That, that is very true. You know that uh, the Colorado Rockies, as Todd Helton's retirement gift, gave him a horse. There you go. There's a horse for you. Somehow that seems like such a fitting gift. Like he probably was brought to tears over that gift. <laughs> the Utah Utes, in or out? They're got to be in. Utah, yeah. I still think, is, is probably the best team in the Pac-12 South right now. ASU, 4-1 and one overall. Only loss to the CU Buffs, in or out? God, I hate these games. How do you make me play these games? <laughs> I'm sticking to my guns. This team is out. They're not any good. They haven't been any good for two years, and they won't be any good as long as Herm Edwards is there. I think we can both agree. The University of Colorado Buffaloes, they're in this They're in. They are well in this hunt. UCLA, Chip Kelly, chip off the old block. Out, out, out. Don't even consider that one. Move on. Yeah, that's it. That's all six teams, so there you go. And then, obviously, in the Pac-12 North, anyone going to compete with Oregon? Washington? I, I still oh, hold out on Washington. I, I will. I, I wish I, I had will. my laughing sound effect ready because that's that's comical, Dude, man. The, they when, lose third. They lose by ten. They put up thirteen points against Stanford. Let's just see. I want to see when. Okay, so they. All right. Well, I will be able to tell you here. Uh, what two weeks from now on October nineteenth? <laughs> they play Oregon in Washington. When they beat Oregon, I'll get to say I told you so. All right. If you say so, Jared. If you say so. All right, that does it for this week's show. Let's go Buffs this weekend. Get a big win. Uh, remember, you can find us on any major podcast player. Give us the star rating appropriate for how good the show is. But, folks, I would lean with five stars there. iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, anywhere podcasts are found. I will talk to you next week on the Buffs Nation Podcast.